What we do at Centerpoint Bible Church is we walk through books of the Bible one verse at a time. And today we're in Philippians. We've been working through this. If you're just joining us, you haven't been with us as we've gone through chapters 1 and 2. We're now at the end of chapter 2. And so we're going to be looking at that in just a minute. Oh yeah, I want to say a word about this. So next week, if we were following the liturgical calendar, next week, believe it or not, is the first week of Advent. Isn't that unbelievable? I mean, we're already here at Christmas. I want to tell you what we're going to talk about for the next five weeks. It'll be a great time to invite a friend out. For the next five weeks, we're going to talk about angels every single Sunday morning. Okay? What role did the angels play in, in bringing the Messiah? And what role do they play in our lives today? And what do they tell us about our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ? So for the next five weeks, we'll be doing a series on angels. I would encourage you to invite somebody out. It's something that, that we all would like to know more about, and God's Word does tell us a great deal about these spiritual beings that are real. It's not just some kind of comic book character. These, these personalities are real, and we'll see what God's Word has to say about them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we are now going to open your Word, and we need your Spirit to really speak to our hearts. Lord, give us ears to hear now. And if you're real, Lord, I pray for the people here that you'd speak to their hearts. Draw people to yourself, Lord. Convince people of truth as we look in your inspired word and see what it has to say to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm starting in Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to read at verse 17. Um, Read along with me. This is what it says. Paul, the author, says this. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering. That means to die. The author is saying, even if I give up my life as a drink, as a sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad. That's crazy talk. He says, if I die, I'm glad. And I rejoice, he says, with you all. And likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So here's what this is telling us. There is joy available for you. There is happiness, yes. And there is joy in Christ for his people. We have a man now who's writing this at the worst circumstance you might be able to imagine. He is facing death. He is in a prison cell. And he says, I'm filled with joy. We live our lives a lot of times complaining and moaning about the things we walk through. And I'm here to tell you that God's Word says you can have joy today. You can live your life with an overflow of joy. Now, I can't promise you riches. I can't promise you success. I can't promise you wellness. Anybody who opens up this book and makes those kinds of promises to you is lying to you. And you know it. And you know it. If I told you your, your business is going to you know, just go off the, out, off the charts because you follow God, you'd know I was lying. Your intuition would say that's not true, and you'd be right. But here's what I can tell you. No matter what comes your way, you can experience a joy in the Lord. We've seen it. We know it. It's confidently proclaimed here in God's Word. He, he writes on, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus, to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek, now listen to this verse, for they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth 
how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Here's the point of our passage that I want to get to. I want, to, I, want to, I want you to understand today that God has a way of working in lives. That God is continuing to work in people's lives. Let me tell you a story about a, about a man I met one time. There was an, I had an opportunity several years ago to, uh, to regularly go into a prison and preach. You ever done that before? Anybody ever spoke in a prison? Oh man, it is a unique opportunity, is it not? It's incredible. I mean, you go in there with these men... And they are very different from me, and everybody knows it, okay? Different life experience, different look, different language. It is a very different environment when you are there. And I had an opportunity regularly to go back into this prison and, and open up God's Word. And it, it, was, it was really neat to see how God would open up doors, and I would have great conversations with, with these individuals that I would go there and share and after some time, the, the man who set all this up came to me and said, Lowell, we've got a special opportunity. We're going to have this, this huge event for a lot of, a lot of the prisoners. They're going to be here in this gymnasium, maybe as many as 1,000 people, and we want you to come and preach to them. I was like, that sounds pretty cool. He said, there's a couple catches, though. I'm like, okay, there always is. He said, there's only going to be four guards in the room. I'm like, okay. And he said, and not everybody there, they're not all going to be Christians. There's going to be some rough characters there. But I want you to do this. I'm like, am I behind like a security wall? No, no, you're out there. Okay, let's do it. So I wish, I wish you could have seen it. It was awesome. It was this huge gymnasium with these bleachers all the way across here. And the whole room was filled with all these men all in matching blue suits. Okay, not really suits, but you know what they wear. They're all up there. And i got to tell you, I walked in. They're playing music, okay? The praise team is up front. Some of the sweetest praise music I think I've ever experienced was in prison. Honestly. Man, you worship the Lord. And I walk in there, and as I walk in, I see my regular guy. See, I'd been there regular. There's about 100 men usually. Now there's 1,000. And I look out, and I don't see my regular guys, the guys that I usually speak to. There's 900 other people there. And I was nervous. Honestly, I was, I was afraid for my life, to be honest with you. So I walked in there, and I guess you could tell I was nervous. Because this giant man walks over to you. I'm not kidding you. His arms are like as big around as my legs. He's just huge man. He was always at the chapel service. He walks up to me. He says, uh, Pastor MacDonald. He called me MacDonald. I didn't correct him. Um, <laughs> he said... Are you nervous? Now, his name, by the way, is Mac. I didn't correct him. I said, yeah, Mac, I am. He said, I thought you might be. You kind of have a nervous look on your face. I said, I'm a little nervous, Mac. And he said this. He said, let me tell you something, Pastor MacDonald. Before they come to you, they got to get through Big Mac. And he said, and it's hard to get through Big Mac. <laughs> so I was able to share. And he sat right there in the front. It was fine. Once, it, once you got into the spirit, right? once, once you got moving, it was fine. But afterwards, came up, shook his hand. Now, there's one thing you don't ask. You don't ask this when you, when you minister in a prison. You don't ask, 
what'd you do to get in here? You just don't ask that, okay? But I'm there with Mac, and I said, so Mac, what's your story? What's your story? This is all he said. He said, the story of Mac is the story of another chance. And I thought, that's pretty sweet. Listen, today I want, I want you to see from God's word that God gives another chance. God gives another chance. I don't know what has been in your life. I don't know what the, the previous whatever number of years, 30 years have been. But where you stand today, there's another chance for you. You're here today because God wants to invite you to another chance. You say, well, why should I risk that? Why should I risk another chance? Why should I give myself another chance? Or you might even think this. You might practically think, well, why should I give them another chance? Right? Listen, this account that I read to you is all about another chance. And I want to just take just a moment and look at three people who got another chance. Who got another chance. And I want to encourage you to take another chance and to give another chance. Allow the Lord to use you to offer somebody another chance. There is hope for people. There is hope for people. God is still working. I know it feels like maybe He isn't. I know it might feel like in your life, where is he at? He's not helping me. It may feel like the whole culture is you know, going against God. I understand that. But God still is at work. He's still at work. And we're going to see that now in three lives. In the life of Paul, in the life of Timothy, and the life of another guy called Epaphras. And we're going to see that God does give other chances. And where that chance comes from. The first one is Paul. And he says in verse number 17, Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad. Here's the call. Like Paul, you be like Paul, and you keep believing. You keep believing because Christ is the one who will endure. Christ is the one who will endure. So you keep believing. You keep believing that the Lord is working in your life. You keep believing that He can work in your life. You keep believing that He can work in other people's lives. You keep believing. Why? Why? Because it is Christ who endures. Look at this passage. He says, even if I die, even if I die, that's okay with me. That's okay with me because I'm being poured out for your faith. I love this. Paul is so moved Because he sees the faith of those that he's been ministering to. He says, I see in you faith. And I see in our church faith. And it warms my heart. And I want you to see it too. I want you to see that God is involved in his people. Paul sees it here and he says, because of your faith, I'm willing to even die. That's okay with me, he says. I'd be glad. If if I'm dying, that's okay. Remember where Paul is when he writes this. He's in prison, just like Big Mac. He's in prison. Now, his prison situation is a little different. He's actually chained to a prisoner. He's chained to a prisoner. And now he's confined to a home. He's on house arrest. And what he's doing as as he's in house arrest, he's, he's moved his heart for people that he can't be with. 
He can't be with these believers. So he writes them a letter. And that's that's what this is. This is the letter that Paul wrote from a prison cell to the believers in this town of Philippi. And he is moved in belief of what Christ could do. Now, why should you believe that Christ could work? Why should you believe? I want you to know something today. The whole, if you're in Jesus today, if today you put your trust in Christ, if you knew you needed a Savior, you turned to Jesus for salvation, you received Him, I don't care what brought you here. I don't care what's in your past. If those things have occurred, you need to know you've got the whole Trinity on your side. You've got God the Son, God the Father, God the Spirit working in you. I want to just briefly run through this because I've been moved by this today. Romans 8.31. You can write that reference down if you you want to. Romans 8.31. Listen to what it says. What shall we say to these things? This this potential in context you'll see. It's the potential of struggle. The potential of heartache. The potential of loss. What do we say to loss? What do we say to anguish? What do we say to hurt? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's the question Romans 8 says. If God the Father is for you, Who can be against you? Everybody else is peons compared to the God of the universe. you got the whole trinity on your side if you're in Christ. You have Jesus. Listen to the words of Jesus when he was on the earth. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one, this is John 10, 28. John 10, 28. No one will ever snatch them from my hand. Nobody. God the Father is for us. God the Son says nobody can snatch him from my hands. You've got the whole Trinity with you. And finally, you have the Spirit of God. Now listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Hear it. The writer says, For while we are still in this tent, meaning our body, we groan and we're burdened. But he who has prepared us for this very thing that we're experiencing is God. Now listen. Who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Do you know the Bible guarantees you? You. You are guaranteed if you were in Christ today. You know, the guarantee of Walmart is pretty incredible. They guarantee you if you walk in there, receipt or not, they'll give you money. You bring anything in, say, yeah, I bought this. Oh, sure. How much you want for it? And they give you money. I don't know how they stay in business. Don't do that. Okay? That's, that's lying and stealing all that. But the guarantee up there is amazing. The Spirit of God is a guarantee in you. You keep believing You keep believing that Christ can work in you, that he is working in you, because he is the one who endures. You keep believing that Christ can work in other people, that Christ can work in your wife, that Christ can work in your husband, that Christ can work in your children, that Christ can work in those who are outside of Christ, those that haven't turned to him yet for salvation. You keep believing that God can do that. Not because you're special, not because our church is special, not because I'm special, not because anybody is special. Because God is working. It is Christ that endures. Paul, our first example, you keep believing. 
He is the God of second chances. Okay, the second person is Timothy. Okay, Timothy. Now let me say a brief word about our friend Timothy. He comes up in verse number 19. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Now there's this guy, Timothy. I'm going to say a few words about Timothy. Timothy's father was not a believer, okay? He was not a believer. His mother was a Jewish woman who was believing on the coming Messiah. And so his mother knew the Lord, and through that, Timothy came to understand the Scriptures much later when Paul, the very guy I was talking about earlier, he led this man, Timothy, to Christ. So there was a day when Paul, the first figure I was speaking about, shared with Timothy the truth about Jesus. And Timothy heard it, and he received it, and he responded, and boom, the whole trinity is now on Timothy's side. Father, Son, Spirit in Timothy's life. And God used this timid man, this one who, who would shrink back in his personality, and God used him in a great way. Listen to the words that Paul uses for this guy, for this guy. Paul calls him my true child in the faith, my beloved son, my faithful child in the Lord, my fellow worker, and my brother. Timothy was closely associated with Paul in the writing of Romans, 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. This man is a major character in our Christian heritage. And I believe if you met him, you'd be very unimpressed. Over and over and over, scriptures seem to indicate that this was a very timid man. This was not a man that you were naturally drawn to. But God used him. Look what Paul has to say about him. Verse number 20. He says, I have no one like him. Now, your translation might say a little different. If you're you're holding the King James Version, it says, no one like-minded. If you had the New American Standard, it says, no one of kindred spirit. Paul's saying, me and Timothy, Timothy and I, we are one-souled. We share the same zeal. We share the same passion. And what that passion was, you see in Timothy's life, is investing in others. Like Timothy, you keep investing. Look what it says. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. This man, Timothy, is genuinely concerned. There's no facade. This is not veneer. He is, the Bible has just proclaimed he is genuinely concerned for the welfare of others. He is drawn, as the Spirit of Christ works in him, to invest his life in other people. To invest his life wholesale in other people. And and the the writer goes on and tells us, for they all seek their own interests. Now this is talking about everybody else. Anybody outside of Christ, anybody that the Lord isn't working in their heart, they're after number one. They're after number one, and you can smell it, can you not? When you're with somebody who's after their own interest, you know it. You sense it. You feel it. You can see it in what they say and what they do. You can sense it. And in Timothy, it wasn't that way at all. He was genuinely concerned for other people. Why? Because he knew this truth. And this truth is what allows you to give second chances. I want us as a church to be the kind of people who give another chance. Who give another chance. But that's only true of you 
if you know that Christ is the one who matures, that Jesus Christ is the one who grows people, who brings people to maturity, that he works in people, that he saves people, that it delivers people from the consequences of their own sin and then grows them up to be a mature man, a mature woman of Christ. It is the Lord that does that in lives. And I believe that still works. Do you? Do you believe that God can still work? I'm riding down the road one time with my son, who's now 22? 1, 21. He was about 4 that day. We're riding down the road, okay? One of those moments as a father you remember. Do you have some of those? We're riding down the road. It's an early morning. It's a cold day, about like today. And, and Jacob looks out the window and he says, Hey, look, Daddy. God's talking to somebody. What's wrong with you, kid? Shut up. No, I didn't say that. Um, so what do you mean? Out there, God's talking to somebody. We looked out the window, and it was one of those times when you can see like the ray of sunlight, like a beam of light coming down onto the ground. Okay? And I come to realize that's what he was talking about. I said, what do you mean, son? What do you mean God's talking to somebody? He said, well, that's how it looks in all the Sunday school papers. When God talks to Moses or Abraham, the sunlight comes out of the sky and shines on them. He said, that's how it used to be. God used to talk to people. Now, teachable moment for dad. I said, well, son, God still talks to people. God still talks to people. Now, not an audible voice like he did to Moses, okay? Not, not, not in a dream, in the middle of the night, a vision of what, what happened like he did with Daniel. But God still works. And God still speaks. He does it through his word, I said to my son. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through other people. He speaks to us through his church. He speaks to us through circumstances. God still speaks to us, son. God still works, you guys. God still works. And Timothy knew that. Timothy had not given up hope. He didn't get up from the television, slam our remote control down and say, this place is just going wherever, and gave up. He didn't do that. He didn't see people on the news doing things he didn't approve of and say, God has just abandoned us. He doesn't work. He didn't do that. He didn't have somebody come back to him one more time in repentance and say, Mom or Dad or husband or wife, I'm sorry. I should never have done that. He knew when they come there that God still works. So Timothy was willing to invest his life. I'm sad for people. I'm sad for some people. Because some of us are so afraid of investing. We have been burned before. And now we're so afraid of letting up, open up our hearts to invest in somebody else. Because you've been hurt before, I know that. Somebody somewhere smacked your hand and it hurts. And now you're like, man, that's never happening to me again. And you know what? Your hand doesn't get hurt then, but you don't have joy. You don't have joy. God didn't make you to not get hurt. The goal of your life is not to avoid being hurt. 
The goal of your life is to joyfully glorify Christ. And that involves another chance. Will you reach it out? Timothy was moved with the interest of others. In verse number 22, he said he has proven worth. Proven worth. See, Timothy had proven himself in Paul's eyes. And listen, God had proven himself in Timothy's eyes. Do you have eyes to still see that the Lord is maturing? The Lord is working. Listen to Galatians 6, 9 to 10. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. Will you invest? Invest in what God is doing. Open up your heart again. The story of Mac is a story of other chances. Finally, let's look at Epaphroditus, okay? I wish he had a nickname, okay? Because it's tough to say that one, Epaphroditus. Want to say it with me? Ready? Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. I know. Let's call him Pappy, okay? Let's call him Pappy. It's a lot easier, all right? Look what it says, down to verse number 25. Paul says, I have thought it necessary to send to you a Pappy, Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, And your messenger and minister to my need. Now listen to this guy, Epaphroditus, what happened to him. For he's been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. And indeed, he was ill, near to death. This guy is sick. But God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow, meaning upon his death. If he died, I have sorrow upon sorrow, Paul says. But God sustained his life. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. This man faced death at least twice, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Who is this guy? The believers in Philippi? They send this man, Epaphroditus, to Paul in Rome. He travels hundreds of miles to Paul. He comes for two reasons. One, he brings a gift of money. They sent money to Paul that he might be a blessing. It might be a blessing to him and a blessing to other people. And he also comes to meet Paul's needs. So this guy, Pappy, shows up at the Roman set, at the house, the house prison that Paul is in. Epaphroditus shows up and ministers to him, ministers to Paul. And what happens is he gets sick. Near to death. And what happens is he's attacked and nearly gives up his life. But the man doesn't quit. I'm struck by this guy. He does not quit. We've had Paul who kept believing. We had Timothy who kept investing. Now we got Epaphroditus. What's he do? He keeps enduring. He keeps enduring. Through illness, he keeps going. Through close to death, keeps going. Through heartache, keeps going. Through homesickness, keeps going. Through persecution, keeps going. Why? 
How? How's this happen? The Lord Jesus Christ sustained him. Listen, I look around here. I see some of you. I know some of your situations. Some of you are sick. Some of you have physical challenges. You're injured. You're, you're, you're struggling. Some of you emotional. Emotional struggles. You're, you're injured. You're struggling emotionally. Some of you spiritually. When I'm here saying to you, keep going. Don't quit. Get up and walk. Get up and keep going. And you might say to me, how can you say that, Lowell? Do you not feel my pain? Do you not know what I've endured? Do you not know what I've experienced? Do you not know how hard it is for me to keep going? No. I don't know. I don't need to know. I'm not the one that sustains you. I'm not the one that you follow anyway. I'm just here pointing you to the sustainer. Look to Jesus and keep believing. Listen, we got a world to reach, we got a community to reach. God has placed you to reach Spring Mills. Berkeley County, Martinsburg, West Virginia, the four-state area. God has placed us here for a reason. And time could be short. We don't know. You never know when life is taken. It's not random, but we never know. But we have a world that needs reached. And what we need is a group of people who are sustained by Christ who are endured by Christ, who keep investing because it is Christ who matures. Are you that man? Are you that woman who will keep pressing on as Christ moves us forward? See, we're running. We're running. And we want you to run with us. We're running. We're chasing after Christ. And we believe he's going to reach people. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, reach our community, we pray. God, thank you for another chance. Forgive us for the bitterness that slips in and keeps us from risking for you, Lord. Sustain us. Allow us to endure. Keep maturing. Give us eyes to see people the way that you do as worthy of another opportunity. Lord, we pray this in your son's Jesus' name. Amen.